And if you want to scoot closer, you can scoot closer. Can you? I can back up a little bit if you need me to. Because our chairs are touching. This is kind of in my way. Oh, how cute. Our chairs are touching. Is that like your podcast voice? Is that what it is? <laughs> not going to like the sound of my voice on this. So you got to talk loud. I think you still got to talk louder. Like I'm projecting. You're like whispering. Okay. I will try to be louder. That's better. That sounded better. I'm the failing youth pastor. And I'm Mrs. Failing Youth Pastor. And welcome to the Failing Youth Pastor Podcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Failing Youth Pastor podcast. I am your host, Travis Berry, a.k.a. the Failing Youth Pastor, and you are listening to episode number 10 of the Failing Youth Pastor podcast. This podcast is very special because someone near and dear to my heart is joining us for this episode. It is my beautiful wife, Becky. So uh, why don't you say hi to the people? Hi, people. Good job. She is very wordy, so um, you're going to get an earful. Actually, I'm just kidding. I had to, you know, pull her into doing this uh, because she's not naturally gifted behind a microphone, as you probably heard from the opening. But but we're figuring it out. We're working it out. We got one microphone between the two of us, and so she's sitting up real close, and I'm a little bit further away. Because apparently I'm not loud enough to be heard from far away. She is not loud enough. You can tell. You know, we're sitting very different apart from the microphone, and there's a significant significant. Maybe you should take difference. a picture of us to post on Instagram with this episode. Maybe I could do that with all my three followers on Instagram. <laughs> Maybe on Twitter we should do that, since I have, like, a lot more on Twitter. Okay. Just saying. Anyway... But Instagram is my favorite, so that's why I said that. Did the people need to know that? They did. Okay. So this episode is dealing with ministry, but also bringing in um, our marriage, bringing in you as a pastor's wife, how you handle some of those things. And we reached out to the Twitter audience for some questions. So we have some questions, but first... Why don't we go with how we met? Because I think people are probably going to end up asking. So how did we meet? That's a pretty good story, too. How did we meet? So we met in college. Yes, we met. Well, I always kind of knew who you were. I Of course you did. Technically, we started at the same time, but I was a PSEO student, which means I was still in high school when you were a freshman in college. Yeah, so she's way smarter than I am. Um, And so, but we really officially met because you kind of sort of dated one of my best friends except I don't know that you would say you dated her no I did not date her we were hanging out as the college kids say (laughs) okay so you were hanging out with her taking long walks around crown college together right but you have very similar personalities so it would not have worked well between you two you both kind of knew that I think yes because I drive myself crazy so then when you kind of, I don't, not really broke up, but decided to stop hanging out. Yeah, we knew it wasn't going to work. Then she gave you my phone number. Is that how it went? She told me about you. And I don't Except know if she actually gave you. you kind of knew me because I kind of yeah, went on one of your dates. Yeah, yeah. So I knew Becky, but um, then 
Ashley was like, hey, you guys should hang out and stuff. So then we started hanging out. Yeah. And then I took Becky to a little coffee shop in town. And we sat there for probably four hours. Yep. And just talked. Mostly me. I think I did probably the majority of the talking. Which was probably evidence of what our future was going to be like. Where I just talk and talk and talk. You do tend to do most of the talking. I talk a lot. I talk for a living. Which is probably why you have a podcast and I don't. That's true. That is true. So we started dating and then I broke up with her. And then we graduated. (laughs) Well, we were already graduated, but we walked. Oh, yeah. So we were graduated, but then we walked. And we had broken up. We were broken up when we walked across the stage, got our diploma, whatever. Right. And then you moved. I did. I moved to Arizona. So I was in Minnesota. Becky was in Arizona. And then we started talking again via Skype. Correct. And then you broke up with me. Yep. So I broke up with her once. She broke up with me once. But then she just, she had to come back. And she sent me a Facebook message. (laughs) That's the part of the story that's a little unclear. I guarantee you I could pull up that Facebook message. I believe I was the first one who reached out. Correct. And so she reached out to me and we started talking again. And bada bing, bada boom. From that point, how long was it before we got married? Do you remember? I don't I think we started talking again in like February or March and we were married the next so like a year from that July. We got engaged that November and were married the next July. Travis is really bad at remembering dates, so he's <laughs> pretending he remembers, but he really has no idea. I mean, I know when we were married. That's good. July twenty first, two thousand 12? Yeah. So I know that. Um, and so that's kind of a brief how we how we met. How mm-hmm. I how I met not your mother. <laughs> but when we met, I was pursuing a degree in youth ministry. Correct. And when we met, I was helping out at a church plant yes. doing youth ministry. And so Becky hasn't ever really known me or dated me when I wasn't in youth ministry outside of when she was in Arizona and I was doing full-time group homework with developmentally disabled adults. Correct. Um, but all, when we were together, pretty much I've been in ministry almost the whole time. I mean, we got married and mo- we moved down to Arizona and I was a, uh, what do they call it? Para. I was going to say PTO, but that ain't right. I was nope. a paraprofessional down in Arizona, and eight months later, I was back in full-time ministry. So we've pretty much our almost our whole marriage has been while I've been in ministry. So one of the questions that was asked by a multiple, by multiple people, by a multiple, by multiple, one of the questions that was asked by multiple people was how do you balance ministry and family? And this is one of those age-old questions that I think you you get a lot in ministry, but you get it in any field, really. Yeah. I mean, any job is going to demand a certain amount of energy and time and, and work. So 
how do you balance those things from a wife's perspective? Yeah, I would agree. Balance is something that's really hard to achieve. And ministry is a job that kind of never ends. Even if you're not technically in the office or under clock hours, you don't really have to submit hours. So there's not that, but it just doesn't stop. For example, a couple weeks ago, we were out on a double date with some friends and we walked into a restaurant and one of your students was sitting there by himself. And so we invited him to join us and suddenly there's now a youth student on a double date with us and things like that happen. That's just part of ministry. And I wasn't just going to let him sit there by himself while we were having fun. So, but that's just part of things like that happen. You get phone calls at inconvenient times. You have to deal with things. You're gone. And so balance isn't really something I don't think you can ever fully achieve, but it's just being aware of seasons when you're going to be busier than we have to be more intentional about finding time for our family or you know if I'm going to have a busier season because I also work outside the home and so then you sometimes have to take over some of the home responsibilities a little bit more and we try to balance things that way. Well I think a big thing is expectations and setting expectations like ministry you're never off Right. You know, it's an on-call type of a job. You know, when I get a phone call from a student at 11 or 12 or 1, you know, I'm answering that phone call. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, so this kid's hurting and I'm going to ignore him. Right. <laughs> you know, or we're on a double date and the reason that that kid was there alone is because he wanted half-off appetizers <laughs> at Applebee's, but he figured out that he found out that you can't take that to go, you have to eat in. <laughs> so that's why he was sitting there alone, which I thought was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's sitting at our table eating his wings, us and another couple, and it's just, it's part of the gig. It's part of the job. You you don't get to take days off in the sense that um, when trouble comes, you have to you have to be there. You have to step to the plate. Now, of course... You have to work it out with your spouse to try to protect time. Um, When I was doing ministry in in Houston, I would be busy pretty much all day Wednesday and all day Sunday. And so we protected as much as we could Saturdays because Becky was a full-time teacher and we wanted to have time as a family. And so we did everything we could to protect those Saturdays. But guess what? If there was a retreat that came up or, you know, if we had to do a youth retreat, it it would fall on a Saturday. Right. You can't protect it all the time. Right. And you can't be like super hyper vigilant about it because then it gets in the way of ministry. There's so there has to be a lot of flexibility in ministry jobs. And I think that's why setting expectations, not just with the church you're serving at, but also with your wife. And with your spouse, like, I'm getting into this. Let's set some of these expectations. I think you can be vigilant in it. Like, you can struggle to set and protect a day. But it's easy to become a slave to that. Right. Where you're actually missing out on ministry opportunities with students because you're holding so tight to this one thing. You know, this this day you're protecting. Um and the opposite is true. 
Mm-hmm. Right. You can just not protect any days and then your spouse feels like you're neglecting them. Right. And so you need to you need to have those tough conversations. And there's times where my wife will be like, I feel like I haven't seen enough of you. And there's times where I say, you know, we're going into a really busy season. I have a lot of meetings. I have obviously youth group and things happening. How can we carve out time for our family? And, and plan that out a little bit better. And so it's a, it's a give and take and you have to communicate that. And you have to communicate about it often because when kids came into the picture for us, that changed some of the things that I needed from you and some of the things that you were doing. And so just being aware of that seasons change and they'll continue to change as they get older and are into different things. Yeah, I think once the kids came in, you stepped away from youth ministry right? almost altogether outside of maybe helping out here and there, yep. which, but was needed. You know, our kids needed that obviously. Yeah. Unfortunately, small children do not keep the same hours as high school students. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a little bit on balancing ministry and family. You're, you're probably never going to get it exactly right. Um, but it's something worth struggling over and fighting for. But you have to set realistic expectations. You know, when you get the call, you got to be ready to answer that call. And your wife, your spouse should be supportive of that, I think. Um, but also being able to communicate when they're not feeling like they're they're able to do that because you're not around either. Mm-hmm. So I think lines of communication are huge in this area. Curtis Melifest. Do you see that name written I there do. on the page? I don't know what in the world that that is a name right there. It is Melifest. Do you think that's right? Melifest. It's close. That's pretty close. That's one of the strangest last names I've ever seen. I'm sorry if I offended your whole family tree. He asked this: Has your wife ever expressed that she didn't like you being a youth pastor and or being a pastor's wife? I don't remember ever expressing that. Do you remember me expressing that? No. And I, I think it's different because, like you said, I've always known you as a youth pastor. So I could see how somebody who whose husband went into it later in their marriage, it could be harder. And there's definitely thing parts of it I haven't liked in seasons where it's been harder. But in general, it's something you're passionate about. And I've always known that that's been a part of who you were and who you are. Yeah, I mean, outside of like the eight months where we first were married, we've been doing, I mean, I've been in youth ministry that whole time. And so you kind of knew, even when we started dating in college, you knew what my dream was, was to be in full-time ministry. So you've known that that was on my heart. But as I've been in ministry, that doesn't, like you've encountered some things that maybe you've disliked about it. Right. One thing that's always been kind of hard for me to deal with when like parents or other people are critical of you or of the ministry, I take that really personally for some reason. And it really like makes me want to, I don't know, go out and yell at them or I would never actually do that because I don't really like confrontation, but it just irks me and bothers me a lot. And so that's something I've had to figure out how to deal with and to realize that just because they're criticizing the ministry doesn't mean they're criticizing you or your personhood. It's just 
they're not happy for some reason. And that's okay. That happens. You can't make everybody happy all the time. Yeah. And I think from the, from my perspective, being in ministry, it's really easy for the person who's in ministry or really any job for that matter to go home and you bring that, the negative stuff with you. And that's what you want to talk about. And that's what you want to discuss. And so, oh, I got into a fight and I never got into a fight, but I got into a disagreement over this thing, over this idea, or um, I got some really negative feedback from this parent over this game we played in youth group or something. And you bring all the negative stuff and you talk about the negative stuff. And what I've had to learn to do is not just bring the negative stuff. Like you need to talk about the negative stuff because that that's right. impacting you. That's part of you. You know, that's part of your job. But when you're only bringing the negative, when you're only bringing what is wrong, that can color the judgment of your spouse against people that otherwise if you were like, yeah, so Tina said that I kind of made a jerk comment. Oh, well, that sounds pretty bad. But what I didn't tell her was she loved the message uh, other than that one comment and she thought it was worthwhile. That's going to color your judgment of Tina for being like, well, why would she just say you were a jerk? Like, that doesn't make sense. And so I think we need to do a better job of not just communicating the negative things, but communicating the wins as right. well, the good things that are happening. And that's something I stress to especially young youth pastors or people in ministry in general is it's so easy to focus on the negative in ministry because people are, they're just kind of out there. They're wacky. They make bad choices and you're dealing with people. They're messy, but you also have to focus on the wins. And when you're focusing on the wins too, and you're sharing that and communicating that, I think that helps your spouse be more supportive of the ministry in general, of the church, of the parents, of the community, when it's a balanced approach of sharing the good and the bad, not just the bad. I agree. She agrees with me for once. John Patnode asks, what's the one thing your wife would like to tell your senior pastor, direct report, or overseer? So what would you like to tell them? <laughs> huh? Give it to them right now. I would like to tell them... Uh, and thank them for their support of you and of the ministry and just say thanks for having my husband's back and encouraging him and caring about what he's doing and finding ways to support him in what he's doing. Yeah. Did you hear that youth ministry council in your face? <laughs> yeah. In your face. All right. Greg Butler asked, who has the final word when you disagree regarding ministry? Now this is interesting because this kind of this kind of assumes that you're like involved. Kind of, I guess, like a co-minister. Yeah, you're not a co-minister with me. I am not. I'm I am the minister. Correct. And you are my support. You are my helper. You are my <laughs> yes, Eve. Kind of your invisible supporter. I'm not directly involved in the day-to-day -day ministry. Or or night to night, or, or week to week, or month to month. Correct. Or year to year. Correct. You're you're my invisible. You're the backstage support, if you will. There you go. 
So really, I mean, if it's between us and it comes to ministry, I do. But there's obviously some ministry questions that affect both of us. You know, if I'm going to go to a conference, let's just use that as an example. And Becky's like, oh, well, we were going to do a family reunion that week or that weekend, which I've never been. I've been to one for my family. Um, Have you, has any of your family ever done a? Not since I was like 10. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe we're going to get invited to one. There you go. When I want to go to a youth conference. Or just a pastor's conference or something. Yes. Um, and so, th- you know, if, if there's conflicts there, like scheduling especially, we'll yeah. talk about it. Because obviously I control the youth schedule. Correct. To a certain degree. Yeah. Most of the conversations would, where I would have a say would be about calendar stuff. And yeah. even then I don't really have that much of a say. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're working almost full time at a school. Correct. They're making a lot of that cho- of those choices for you anyway. Dustin Lawson asked, what obstacles, if any, did you and your wife face when beginning your ministry and how were they overcome? Well, one thing that I can think of, you mentioned that for the first like eight or nine months of our marriage, you weren't in ministry. So when you did go back into ministry, it was a little bit shocking. And I think I more so felt this after we had kids, but we had spent so much time together, like at nights and we really didn't have things pulling us away from each other until then. And so that was an adjustment for me. Just we had to be more intentional about connecting because you were gone two nights a week at least, if not more than that. And that was an adjustment. But other than that, I don't think we've faced too many obstacles. Can you think of any other ones? You know, opening up your home, like opening up your life to other people is one of those things where when you're just a church member, because we were members of a church before when we were living in Arizona, you can be a little bit more picky about <laughs> the mm. people that you get to hang out with or the people you want to hang out with, right? And yeah. invest in. And when you're in ministry, you don't get that choice. You, you know, don't get to pick your church. You don't, you don't, well, you, you don't get there. to pick, you don't get to pick the people that are there, right? right? So you're opening your doors to a lot of, people and being able to protect some of that from you know the fishbowl effect Mm -hmm. you're on display your marriage is on display it's an example for people it's a model for people or at least that's how they view it and you know when I went into full-time ministry in Houston we weren't even married a year and you're just put you're kind of put in there Mm -hmm. and then you go from that to having kids and that whole transition I think was a little bit more for us, like Mm -hmm. shocking and jarring than just getting into ministry. Yeah. Because when you're, when you're just you two, it's like, oh yeah, go ahead and stay out late. Like who cares? But when you have kids and you're going batty because, you know, our son won't go to sleep and you're like, you need to get home and hold this baby before I, you know, freak out, then it's a little different. Or as our kids get older and they're asking for daddy to put them to bed and daddy can't do that because he's not home. Yeah. He's with the kids. As Yeah, with the kids. I'm with the kids. That's what my That's kids say. That's what our say. son say. Yeah. I'm, he's with the kids. Um, so that, I would say, is some of the challenges we've faced. And how did we overcome them? Number one, trusting in the Lord. Number, you know, that's the first thing is you got to, when those things come, 
you you have to go back to what you know to be true. And the fact that Jesus bled and died for us and rose from the grave is one of those things that always grounded us because mm-hmm. we knew that I was in full-time ministry because of that. Right. And because of the calling that God placed upon my life. And you were a full-time teacher at a Christian school because that's what God had called you to. Mm-hmm. And so trusting in that really helped us overcome. Mm-hmm. And then being intentional about our relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And we failed at that. I I wouldn't say failed in the sense of, you know, how had I'm a failing youth pastor. <laughs> but we, we've stumbled along the way. Mm-hmm. It, we've had to learn and grow. And that is tough when you are in ministry and you just get married and you're still learning about each other. And we're still learning about each other, but like big things, right. like the fact that I would have to pull teeth to get her to tell me what was wrong. <laughs> like you wouldn't believe, I would say, well, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she wouldn't tell me. My wife would not tell me what is bugging her until she broke down and then finally told me and there's tears everywhere. And, you know, so that's tough when you're learning that and you're in ministry too as well. But working on that relationship also helps overcome those challenges. And now I ask her, oh, it's almost like a Pavlovian thing. I'll be like, what's wrong? And she tells me what's wrong when there's something wrong now because she's learned and I've learned. But I haven't learned to stop asking what's wrong because I'm special like that. Did we answer his question? I don't know if we answered the question, but I talked a lot. You sure did. So... um, we, well, we gave some of the obstacles. Having okay. kids, learning each other while being in ministry is difficult. Right. And we overcame them by time. trusting in the Lord and investing time in each other. Okay. So there you go, Dustin. You're welcome. Uh, actually, thank you for the question. I should be polite. Uh, I think this is her name because her Twitter name is something really weird. Like, I am the mother something i don't hmm. know so this is joeliana joeliana lewis said do you ever find yourself treating your wife like a youth and trying to pastor that's in quotes her as such mostly when you're exhausted and not thinking clearly i would say you treat me like i'm a youth <laughs> more than i treat you like you're a youth that could be true no that is true that is a hundred percent true I'm a giant kid. I was going to say, it's because you kind of act like a youth sometimes. I am. I'm a giant kid. I'm young at heart, as they say. And sometimes to a fault, I try to be funny and goofy when it's not appropriate. Right. Or you can't pick up your socks off the floor. You had to go there, didn't you? (laughs) You had to go there. You've gotten much better. I've gotten much better at picking up my socks. Yes. No, I don't I don't treat my wife like a youth. Um she I pastor her. Uh you know, I am um called to lead her, but I wouldn't say like a youth. No, I've never really felt like like I was I treating mean, you like a student. Right. Yeah. I I I've never actually thought this out. So this is a really interesting question. Like if you've ever felt that way. But I've never I don't think I've done that anyway. I can't recall it. Yeah. So that would be a no, thankfully. Um, Harrison Farr 
This is a good question because this I bet there's other people that are when I read this question, they're going to they're going to they're going to be like, oh, that. Yeah, that explains me. Um, so he asked this, are wives of youth pastors obligated to participate in ministry? So this is kind of a loaded question because it, it depends who you're asking. And it depends what you mean by participate in. See, you're going like meta. You're going above the question. So there, I have seen some churches that almost require the wife to be involved. And when I say involved, I mean like hands-on, boots on the ground, there doing ministry with her husband. That has not been my case. So that that's not been my experience in youth ministry. They are hiring me to be the youth director or the youth pastor. They're not hiring me plus an extra set of hands and eyes to chaperone the kids and look after them. And that doesn't mean that I haven't sometimes been that. Yeah, no, there you've totally helped. I mean, where I've been a leader or been a chaperone for something or that. But currently in our season of life, we have two young kids who need to go to sleep at night. So it's, I can't it, really be a youth leader because I have to be home with them. Yeah, yeah. And that's really, I have more of a heart for younger children, more elementary age. So generally, when I do things in ministry at our church, it's more with children, like in children's ministry rather than in youth ministry. And I have more, I would say currently, I have more casual relationships with youth. Like we hang out at one of the weekly youth events. Sometimes the kids and I come. And so I have conversations with kids or I work at the same school as some of them go to. And so I'll see them in the hallways and we have conversations and or Hang you know out. we'll uh, you know we'll have them babysit for us right or like my wife is doing something called ooey gooey camp with the school district and she invited some of the youth kids to help her do cleanup and and help out with that camp that she's running so there's relationships that are being built with these students but it's not it's not quote, happening unquote, at youth group yeah it's not what normal people would say ministry is and you're not even obligated to really do that correct you're it's just something that comes natural to you because you love kids and want to support me and so i think it's interesting when you said our wives obligated to participate what do you where are you going with that when you when you say well what do you mean by per- well, in some ways, being married to you and supporting you as a person, you could say is participating in the ministry because it's participating in supporting you. And there are other small ways that I would participate, but it's not in a regular weekly structured method or way. Yeah. So you came as a leader to Chicago for a mission trip. Right. Now that's participating in the sense that probably most people are thinking or if you were a small group leader for Wednesday night, youth group, like that would be participating in a way that most people would consider participating. Mm-hmm. But the way my wife participates the most in my ministry is by supporting me, by loving me, by hearing me out when things are going bad, by celebrating with me when things are going good or going well. She encourages me. And she 
you know, she'll question me when maybe I'm making a mistake. Maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Or if I send out a newsletter and she's like, there's two different dates on this one event, which I have gotten multiple times. By the way, I use Download Youth Ministries newsletter app. It's really great, really cool. You can check it out. That's not a sponsor. They're not a sponsor of this show, but you can check them out. And she'll be like, hey, there's two wrong dates. And so I can just change it quick before most people see it and we're we're good to go but the way she supports me is by loving me and and by loving the lord and by always directing me back to that directing me back to the word directing me back to why we're doing this why are we together well it's ultimately to glorify christ why is it that we want to have a healthy relationship well, we want a healthy relationship, number one, because we love each other and because we want to build a, a healthy family for our kids and because we want to glorify Christ. And so she's always pointing me back to glorifying Christ. And so why is it that she wants me to have a successful youth ministry? To glorify Christ. And all of that comes back to the glory of God. All of it does. And she's really good about pointing me back to that. And so that's the biggest way she participates in youth ministry is by pointing me back to the glory of Christ and the reason why I do what I do. Yep. Yep. So Marty asked, and this will be our last question for this episode. We've already gone pretty long, so I hope people listen to it. Marty asked this, who's your favorite volunteer and why? <laughs> I know this is loaded. This is like, who's your favorite kid like who's your favorite child mm -hmm. i mean i could give you an answer but i'm not but going it changes to daily <laughs> changes daily my favorite leader is the leader who shows up who is consistent who loves the lord and who absolutely loves students and wants to see them grow that that's my ideal leader that's my favorite leader are leaders who do that that's my favorite my favorites are the ones who support my husband and encourage him and help ease his burden of youth ministry. Well, there you go. I'm not giving you any names. Not going to give you any, any names, Marty. But uh, yeah, so that is the, that's it. That's the questions that we have. Now, we did get a few more. And so I'm thinking if people like this episode, mm -hmm. let us know. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on, on Instagram, all three followers or whatever I have on Instagram. It might be up to like 11, actually, okay. but I don't post very much. Double there. digits. Double digits, baby. Hard to breathe up here, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, thank you for listening to my beautiful wife. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're so welcome. Is there anything you'd like to plug? You don't really have anything to plug. I don't have anything to plug. You have no plugs. No plugs. Just just living the dream. Right. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. And um, thank you for asking your questions. We hope to be able to do this again. Hey, look, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any feedback, you can hit me up on Twitter at FailingYouthPTR or on Instagram at FailingYouthPTR or send me an email, failingyouthpastor at gmail.com. Have a great rest of your day or evening, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Failing Youth Pastor podcast. <laughs>